You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, as we're gathered at this time, um, I offer um, this time and these words to you, praying ultimately, most gracious God, that not my words, but your living word would go forth, uh, the source of our light and our salvation. This I ask, this I offer in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. This morning we will reflect on this portion of Exodus, the 12th chapter of Exodus. And as we do so, I begin with an invitation to you, I invite you to remember um, a favorite meal. I invite you to remember a favorite meal. Uh, if you're anything like me, um, I could go on for a while um, about this uh, from sort of um, elegant to, to food truck to everywhere in between. In fact, there's even, there's a great um, show, and I can't even remember what the name of it is now, but it's all these uh, famous chefs, and they're talking about some of the most amazing meals they've ever had, basically from food trucks or little holes uh, in the wall places. These are the best noodles. This is the best po' boy. This is the best street taco um, I've, um, I've, I've ever had. But, but anyway, I, I said I could go on for a while, and now I'm doing it. Let me stop. Um, let me invite you to remember um, a, a, a meal um, that particularly stands out uh, in, your, in your memory. And of course, throughout the entire witness of the Bible, um, the, the imagery of, of meals and feasts uh, and banquets uh, is there throughout uh, exemplifying um, what the kingdom of God is like, what life and relationship um, with God is like. One of my favorite passages of scripture, one which you've likely heard before, perhaps at a funeral, Isaiah 25, 6 through 9. And on, in that particular passage, there is a promise. Uh, it is said to the people, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make, and interestingly, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples, um, we are told, uh, a feast of rich food, full of marrow, um, of aged wine well refined. Uh, it speaks of the graciousness of God who will gather his people together for a feast. In fact, and he goes on to say, um, on this mountain he will remove the shroud which enfolds um, all people. He will swallow up death forever. He will wipe away the tears uh, from every face. Uh, the Lord has spoken, um, we are told. Jesus um, and gathers uh, with meals, and often there's a, a great deal which happens in those interactions as he gathers and breaks bread with people. And of course, a lot goes into making a meal um, memorable. Um, certainly the, the, the setting um, can be uh, a part of it as, as much as the, the food and the beverage and certainly the company. Uh, the company uh, and the fellowship uh, are key to making uh, a meal memorable. Maybe you remember uh, when you finally uh, got moved up from the little table at Thanksgiving and you got to go to the big table. Maybe you later regretted that um, and wished you could go back to the little table, but that's a digression um, for this day. But I'll share one particular meal stands out in my memory, and um, uh, one of the things I remember about it is the, the, the person with whom we were dining, well, great company, great, wonderful um, friends, and uh, the gentleman that we were dining with and uh, was one of the owners of the restaurant, um, and so what I, what I remember about it is um, I didn't do a thing except show up. Uh, and it was just amazing. He was uh, not only the only but he was a trained sommelier. So all these, you know, one fabulous course um, after uh, one fabulous course after another. And of course, each paired perfectly um, with a wine um, or beverage. And as I say, it was it was glorious because um, 
I just enjoyed it. Um, the, the, the fellowship, the warmth uh, of the atmosphere and the environment, and, and as I say, just one thing after another, um, after another. Uh, and if I'm being honest too, um, the price was right because it cost me nothing. Um, I realize it certainly came at a cost, but it was one of those, I, it was a gracious, um, lavish gift that I received, uh, and, I, uh, and I remember it well, and I promise um, uh, I'm well, um, not really, but we're going to sort of move on um, from food now because I, I share all of that with you as by way of um, introduction, the importance uh, of meals and the memories uh, associated with them. And the meal described today is clearly not fancy. Uh, it, is a, uh, it is a simple um, meal. Uh, it's basically, it's, it's a nomadic meal. It's a meal to be eaten in preparation to move. It's a meal to be eaten in preparation for something about to happen. They're, they're told um, to eat with their sandals on, with their belts um, around their waist, with their staff um, in their hand. No um, fabulous preparation to go along, no utensils. Uh, it's a lamb um, that is to be slaughtered uh, over the fire with bitter herbs and unleavened bread. Um, it is a meal um, which is simple, and yet um, it's a meal which is profound as well. Uh, it's, it's interesting that uh, as they um, begin, uh, one of the things that we're told at, at the very beginning is that they are um, instructed, that they are commanded um, to do this meal at the beginning of every year. Uh, this is to be the, the first month, um, they're told. Um, this is something that they're supposed to do, required to do, commanded to do, expected to do, um, at the beginning um, of every year. And that's significant because what it says to us is for the people uh, of Israel, this is your starting place. This is your starting place. This is the foundation of your story. Uh, the Passover and the Exodus um, are, are essential to be remembered and to be reminded of again and again. And it's your starting place, the foundation um, of your story. And in chapter 12, uh, where we read this morning, we've, this is the tenth uh, of the plagues. We've had any number of things. Perhaps you remember gnats and flies and um, uh, boils uh, and, and darkness, uh, to name a few. And, and now, uh, and throughout all of them, the, we're told that the heart uh, of Pharaoh was hardened. Um, despite um, the signs again and again and again, um, the heart of Pharaoh was hardened and the heart of the people of Israel um, was hardened. Uh, and now we come to this last um, most terrible uh, of the plagues. Uh, it's, you know, honestly, it's, it's hard to think about, isn't it? Uh, it's, hard, it's hard to speak about. Um, uh, the death uh, of the firstborn throughout the entirety of Egypt, um, we are told. As I say, difficult um, to think about that. And we're told um, from the most powerful um, to the most humble, um, it will affect all. And, and these are the words from the 11th chapter of Exodus. Moses shares these words with Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, about midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been, nor ever will be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all these your servants shall come down to me, 
and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you, and after that um, I will go out. Uh, these are the words um, which, Moses, um, which Moses speaks. Uh, and uh, one of the things about it that I want us to note and to reflect on, in, in 11 it says, um, Every, uh, every firstborn uh, in Egypt um, shall die. And, and, and yet then there's, there's an exception made um, for the people of Israel. And, and why is that exception there? Uh, how um, can they be? Because one of the things that not only the book of Exodus, but the entire um, scripture show is um, uh, the Israelites weren't better. Um, they, they weren't better um, than the Egyptians. Uh, and of course, not only a word to the Israelites, that's a word to you and to me as well. Um, we're, we're, we're not better. We're not better um, than other people. We're not better than the people um, around us. The Israelites um, were not better. Their, their oppression in the land of Egypt began uh, out of fear, uh, the fear of the Egyptians. We're told that there was a new king who uh, did not remember Joseph, and the Israelites had grown in number. And in fact, one of the things at the very beginning in the first chapter, um, what the Pharaoh says is uh, there, there are too many uh, there are too many of them, uh, and they're too strong. There are too many, um, and too mighty are the words. And, and the fear was, was that uh, the Israelites might join some enemies of the Egyptians um, and overthrow them, given the opportunity. And the reality is they were probably right. Um, because again, human nature is human nature. The Israelites um, were, were not better um, than the Egyptians. And so they were uh, oppressed, uh, and they were driven down. And, and we hear that Weight upon weight and burden upon burden um, was placed uh, upon the people. Uh, it reminds me uh, of a story um, Frank Limehouse uh, told, and uh, you may or may not remember um, this story. Um, Frank told the story of uh, going to a funeral when he was in Beaufort, and it wasn't at, at his church, it was at another church, and he went with one of his parishioners, and uh, a lovely lady, um, but a little hard of hearing, and at the funeral, Frank and this woman were sitting out in the congregation together, and the minister was going on about what a wonderful guy Bill was. Uh, Bill, was a, Bill was a great guy. He was a fine guy. He was a wonderful um, Christian man. And this woman um, leaned over um, to Frank and, and whispered, but as I mentioned, unfortunately, she was hard of hearing, and it was very much a stage whisper, and she said, he was a jerk. Uh, and Frank, Frank said he turned uh, beet red as you know, everyone around them um, heard exactly. And she sat back yeah, like no one heard her, just a little private word um, between her uh, and between Frank. And uh, I love that story, and I remember that story because it's true. Uh, it's, it's true of all of us. Uh, it, you know, pick the moment, right? Uh, pick the thought. Um, we're, uh, we're both of those things. What Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, quite rightly, the, uh, the dividing line, but between good and evil runs through every human heart. Uh, the Israelites um, were not better um, than the Egyptians. You and I um, are not better um, than the people um, around us. Uh, and with that, um, we are called um, to remember. As the Israelites were called to remember, we are called to remember. But as I say that, memories are a mixed bag, aren't they? Memories are, uh, are a mixed bag. I'm sure you're uh, like me, that uh, certain memories bring me great warmth and, and joy, and, and other memories uh, bring me um, shame and, uh, and burden um, and regret. Uh, the people are invited um, to remember, and what they are invited to remember uh, is the way that God acted. 
they're invited to remember the way uh, in which God acted, and they're invited to remember um, the way in which he came to them at a time of impasse, crisis, and concern. Uh, He came to them in a situation from which they could not deliver themselves. On paper, uh, it doesn't work. On paper, the people of Israel um, don't get out of Egypt, uh, unless it's the paper of the Bible. But on normal paper, uh, a normal reckoning, uh, there's no hope for them. This does not um, work out for them. And surely, um, you have found yourself in those situations in your life. And and, and I would imagine uh, all of us right now have any number of things where we say, you know what, this doesn't work out on paper. Um, how am I going to get out of this situation? How is this going to be healed? Um, how is this um, going to be reconciled? What am I going to do um, about this um, which is before me? There's a great um, Bible teacher uh, from the early 20th century. His name is Arthur Pink. And um, Pink writing on Exodus has some tremendous um, insights. And part of what he talks about here, uh, not only in this particular passage for the Israelites, but it's uh, one of the things we grapple with in the nature and character of God is the balance between justice and mercy. The balance between justice and mercy. Uh, that, that, that God is a just God. Uh, God is a God of justice because God is holy. Uh, and because God is holy, um, he is just. And, and, and justice, um, falls, uh, justice falls upon sin. Justice falls upon um, transgression. And yet simultaneously, God is also a God of mercy. Uh, necessarily, um, thankfully, that God is a God uh, of mercy. And so, so how can God um, be merciful uh, and just um, simultaneously? How can we say that all the firstborn of Egypt will die except um, for the children of Israel? Uh, and to that, he writes this, and I, uh, I quote to you now, the Israelites were sinners. Their guilt was irrefutably established. A just God can by no means clear the guilty. Sentence of death was passed upon them. Nothing remained but the carrying out of the sentence. A reprieve was out of the question. Justice must be satisfied. Sin must be paid its wages. What then? Shall Israel perish after all? It would seem so. And then he says this. Human wisdom could furnish no solution, no But man's extremity is God's opportunity, and he did find a solution. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And yet grace was not shown at the expense of righteousness. Every demand of justice was satisfied. Every claim of holiness was fully met. Um, But how? By means of a substitute. By means of a substitute. We hear those words, man's extremity, woman's extremity um, is God's Um, opportunity. Uh, Where human wisdom could provide no solution, um, God provided a solution. It was by means uh, of a substitute. Of course, we hear that um, that a lamb was offered, that a lamb was offered and that the blood of the lamb was placed uh, upon the door. Uh, And when that uh, when that judgment um, came through, it would pass uh, over the people. It would pass over the people, not because of their merit, uh, but because of God's mercy because of their um, depending upon uh, the sufficiency of the sacrifice uh, and not their own sufficiency. Um, That judgment which would have fallen um, upon them passes over them. Man's extremity is God's opportunity. 
I ask you this morning, are you uh, in ways weighted um, and ready to move forward? Do you find yourself in situations where no human wisdom um, can furnish a solution? Uh, there is um, a solution. There is one to talk, one to turn to. There is power um, in the blood of the Lamb. There is power in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ um, by which we um, are washed, by which we are um, reconciled. And like the people of Israel, it's, uh, it's a truth that we need to be reminded of again and again and again because the human condition is such that we, um, that we try um, through earthly wisdom to find our way out of situations that we cannot be delivered from save the grace um, and the intervention of God. Uh, in just um, a moment, um, we'll hear a, a beautiful um, anthem that I requested, and, and they were uh, gracious um, to hear that request. Uh, e'en so, Lord Jesus, um, quickly come. E'en so, Lord Jesus, quickly come. It was uh, composed in 1953. Ruth uh, and Paul Manns, uh, husband uh, and wife, Combo, they were, um, uh, it was a motet, um, which they did, but it was, the, 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 the words are magnificent, and I'll share them in a moment, but, but even more so when one hears the backstory, um, their three-year-old son was critically ill um, at the time of the composition, and it was one of those situations where um, the, the doctors and the nurses, despite all of their concern and best efforts, uh, in, in essence, um, said there's, there's not anything else that we can do. Uh, and so um, they, they prepared themselves um, for the death um, of their son. And even as they prepared themselves, um, they, they prayed um, for his healing. They prayed for his restoration. Ruth would be with their son by day and Paul um, would be with their son by night. And they were uh, in the process of, of composing this motet and it's based on uh, not just, but primarily Revelation um, 22. Uh, and she gave him um, the words, and as he sat by the bedside of their son, uh, he worked on this particular piece, and um, through God's grace, um, their son uh, recovered. Uh, their son um, was restored. Uh, and these are the words, uh, and they, uh, they, they give thanks to the power uh, of prayer and to the uh, graciousness uh, of God. But hear the words which will be sung in just a moment. Peace be to you and grace from him who freed us from our sins, who loved us all and shed his blood that we might save it be. Sing holy, holy to our Lord, the Lord Almighty God, who was and is and is to come, saying holy, holy Lord. Rejoice in heaven, all you that dwell therein. Rejoice on earth, ye saints below, for Christ is coming is coming soon, for Christ is coming soon. And the, and, and the pitch builds. There seems to be a, a, an anxiety, a, a fervor um, to the prayer. And then it concludes with these beautiful words, Even so, Lord Jesus, quickly come, and night shall be no more. They need nor light, nor lamp, nor sun, um, for Christ um, will be there all. Peace be to you and grace from him who freed us from our sins who loved us all and shed his blood, that we might save it be. We began by uh, hearing about uh, the Passover meal and their command to remember this and to remember 
um, the work of God and the grace of God which moves um, in our lives, which moves um, in his creation. And as inevitably all of us come this day with um, concerns, uh, with burdens, with things which are too much for us, uh, I invite you, uh, as we are reminded this day, um, to look not to our own um, sufficiency, but to look to the power, the power of the blood of the Lamb, uh, who comes, um, who washes, who enables uh, that which should fall upon us to pass over us, who gives hope um, where there would be no hope, uh, who gives power to us in our lives. And as we hear that this day, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that in Jesus, your Son, you come as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We thank you that you have extended to us uh, a mercy which we do not merit. Fill our hearts and our minds uh, with the remembrance of that grace and that power uh, that we might be strengthened, that we might be comforted, that we might be reminded, uh, and that we would, yes, um, receive it, um, but also, most gracious God, that we might share it, uh, that that light would go forth to the world. This we ask, this we offer. In the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.